welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to episode 20. Today I have with me lovely guest, Andrea Trigo. She's a nurse consultant and the founder of the Enhanced Fertility Program, which was set up to assist others dealing with infertility and seeking support. She's a fellow infertility warrior and was diagnosed with a condition known as MRKH when she was a teenager. She has featured in various media outlets to raise awareness about fertility and health. Andrea is also a TEDx speaker. And if you'd like to connect with her on Instagram, she can reach at Andrea Trigon. Her website address is andreatrigo.com. Her details and contact information would also be in the show notes. So welcome, Andrea, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for, for having me today in your podcast. <laughs> thank you for coming. So to start off, please tell me a little bit about yourself. So where to begin? The, the whole <laughs> journey, I think, started um, at a very young age. Um, mm. Just like any other teenager girl, I was waiting for my periods to start and mm-hmm. they never did start. Even though I was developing other normal female characteristics, breasts, waist, all of that, I didn't have periods. So there was a lot of procedures, investigations, trying to figure out the reason. And it was when I was 17 years old that they did a surgery and they realized that I didn't have a uterus. So that was quite shocking to me. Um, so that gave me a diagnosis of Mayer Rokitansky Kusterhauser. So that's the MRKH, a very complicated name that we yeah. use MRKH. <laughs> Um, but it means that I don't have a uterus, so I do have ovaries, and that's why I have hormones, and that's why I was developing all the female characteristics, okay. but I don't have a uterus, and I also don't have the top third of the vagina. So for me, it meant that I had two problems to deal with. One of them was coping with not being able to carry my own children, which Mm -hmm. is incredibly difficult uh, because I was still a child myself at 17. It's not like I was actively trying to get pregnant at that time. And the second problem was I had to have surgery to reconstruct my vagina at that young age in order to to have sex. So those two problems... um, were very difficult to to deal with emotionally. And I decided to deal with what I could solve first. And that Mm. was the surgery to reconstruct my vagina because that's just a medical procedure. Um, It was intense. It was, you know, difficult to to have that procedure done. Very, I think it was four hours, lots of blood loss. and the recovery itself took about one year where I had to use these very similar to a dildo. It's like a medical graded dildo. So I had to wear these prostheses inside my vagina the whole time 
every day? Yes, can you imagine oh, wow. walking around with a dildo inside you? It's just, yeah. yeah. So by then I was in my first year of university. So it's completely abnormal now that I look back mm -hmm. that I'm going through university and I had this thing inside me all the time. And so going to the toilet was difficult. Um, it was difficult because I was doing nursing placement. So I was doing my learning in the hospital and I had to have this thing inside me for a long time. And then gradually as the skin started healing, I could start wearing it just at night okay. and then just over the weekends and then until after a year, I didn't have to use it anymore. But wow. it was, now that I look back, I yeah. have the same reaction that you're having. Wow, yeah. how did you do that? <laughs> but from, I think when we are faced with unprecedented circumstances, mm -hmm. we have these unbelievable strength inside us. We just do what needs to be done. And I think a lot of people who are trying to conceive can probably relate to that. You will end up doing things that you never thought you would be able to do. Yeah, and you will endure situations that you probably never thought you'd be able to cope with. But there's this unbelievable strength inside us. Wow. And then it was only after um, this part of the problem was sorted that I felt this isn't over because there's this wound that's going to stay forever, yeah. which is not being able to carry my own children. And how do I deal with this? I had this idea that maybe I would have babies in the future. I have a very big family. Um, my grandma has five children and wow. no one has problems having babies in my family. Mm -hmm. So even though I wasn't trying to conceive at that age, I always thought one day that's normal. And yes, I never thought that it would be a problem. So how do I cope with the loss of something that I never had of a baby that was always a future thought? And it was quite difficult. I think I went through all those stages of grief, all the roller coaster that all of our patients, all everyone who's trying to conceive goes through the sadness, the anger, the denial, the not talking about it. And I've finally reached the level of acceptance, right. which I usually say acceptance looks different to everyone. Uh, but it's about embracing an alternative journey. Uh, that might not look like you had in your mind. So it might be a bit different, but it still makes you happy. It still makes you feel fulfilled. But it was like a 15-year journey to get there. Yeah. So this is a short summary of what mm. happened in my journey. Wow. You're such a strong woman. I mean, of course, I'm sure you noted I said wow so many times just because I could not <laughs> even imagine um, what you went through and, and at such a young age as well. How did you find support during that time? Yeah, so I have to say that family played a very important role. Right. Um, my parents were very supportive of me. 
um, open to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of emotional support, my dad was always a very positive person. That's and mm -hmm. even in those days when I was crying and asking, why me? Why is yeah. this happening to me? My dad would say, it's not up to us to ask why. One day you will understand. Because when there's nothing that we can do to change the situation, all we need to do is trust that God, or for other people, a higher force or the universe is mm -hmm. guiding you in, in the journey that is yours. And it's always for good. So my dad was that emotional certainty and strength that things would end up being okay when I wasn't, I didn't know, I didn't have anywhere to hold, you know? Yeah. Um, family was very, very important. And then in terms of uh, support from others going through the same, mm -hmm. this was, this happens to one in 5,000 women. So it's not that rare if we think about yeah, it. Yeah, right? That's well, yeah, that should be a lot of people. Yes, it is a lot of people. But at the time, because there was no Facebook, no Instagram, yeah. no way of connecting, how mm -hmm. do you find these yeah. people? But I had it in my head. If I'm going through it, there's other people going through it as well. Yes. And we need to meet. We need to find each other to have this sense of belonging, of understanding, of thinking we are not alone. Yeah. So in the hospital, I ended up creating a support group in the hospital where oh, so wow. many girls were coming from... Yeah all over the country, this happened in Portugal where I was born, okay. they were coming to the hospital to have the operation and then they were included in the support network, we would meet for coffee, I was wow. writing a newsletter that's at that time it wasn't online so I was writing in Word, printing, sending it through the normal post mm -hmm. and but I think it was very good to have find ways of belonging, of being understood in a time when there was no internet or social media. Of course, today, everything's a bit much easier. And I think that's amazing because young girls being diagnosed, they yeah. can see others who feel so empowered despite exactly. their problems. And they can see there is a future, there is hope, there is no shame in having infertility. There is no shame in having MRKH. Um, so I, I think social media has been one of the biggest things to empower women going through these type of problems. Yes, totally. And I'm so amazed that at that young age, you also started a support group for other women. That's amazing. So you, you were born to be a warrior and to fight for others and make things easier for other women coming in the future. So well done. Yeah, and you, you know looking back um it's quite surprising to read those newsletters i was writing mm -hmm. uh, there was a letter i've written to the group on my anniversary my first anniversary, which is one year <laughs> of of surgery yeah and the title yeah. of the letter is i am the luckiest girl in the world and it was so powerful to read that when I found yeah. it again last year, because it, it showed that everything has to do with our perception, with how we interpret what is happening. 
And if we choose to open our minds that maybe what is happening has a different meaning to what mm -hmm. we think it means, maybe there is some hope. So, at, and I wouldn't say that after a year I had coped with it, I didn't. It was full of ups and downs, we've all been there. Yeah. But I've made this commitment very strongly that I would be okay no matter what. And I think that if I hadn't gone through this, I would have gone to university, had a job, married someone, have children, have a house, and then die. And that's what normal society tells you life should go. Should be, yes. Yeah. But for me, at that age, I said, if infertility is challenging me, and my ideas of what it should be, mm -hmm. then I'm going to choose, if I can no longer have those things, I'm going to choose what I want to have. So wow. that was my empowerment. I'm going to choose how to respond to this. And I'm not going to do anything in my life unless it brings me happiness. Amazing. So I can, I can choose if I want to be in this relationship or not. I can choose if I want to be in this job or not. I can choose if I want to have children in an alternative way or not. If I keep thinking, will this bring me happiness or not? Because it's not just about having sperm and egg, having the baby inside. It's about the feeling, what you get ultimately from it, and does it make you happy? So that process... Um, I think not everyone gets there uh, because it can be very easy to feel sad and depressed and just to continue in that spiral for a mm -hmm. long time. But for me, it was reading a lot of positive psychology books. Yeah. It was a support group. It was my dad who was very positive and kept being that strength. Yeah. That's transform the whole thing around into this is not what you can't have this is an opportunity for you to choose who you want to be in life yeah uh, instead of being some sort of predetermined socially accepted uh life that everyone thinks you should have yes well said that's amazing yeah. and your dad sounds amazing i love him so much now hearing so much about yeah. him <laughs> That's so wonderful to have such a strong support and especially from uh, from the opposite sex, especially at that age, and knowing then, what it is and then having your dad being so supportive and saying the right words and encouraging you. That's just amazing. Yeah. I think m my mom and I, we were just lost. I remember we were both at the appointment when the diagnosis were made and mm -hmm. we just chronic. So when we met my dad later in the day to say look this is what's happening i am 100 percent sure that he was absolutely broken inside mm -hmm. he felt that he had to be the strength for the family yes and so i don't know he has always been a very good strength for me and my my mom mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. i have a very small sister at the time she was two years old, one oh. and a half, so she was still a baby at the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it, it just changed the dynamic completely right. because I was 
a young woman. I had just realized I can't have babies. And my sister, she was such a designer baby. I wanted a sister for so long. I yeah. kept asking my parents for one and they said, no, 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 until it was the last resort for my mom. She got pregnant at 40. Oh, wow. <laughs> she was very spoiled. I'm sure. <laughs> my parents, grandparents from me, but for me, I, it's good because at that age, I have a very vivid memory of holding her as a baby in my arms, something that I know I won't be able to do for myself, so I won't have a baby, but that memory of having her in my arms, it's just, um, it's one of the moments I am most grateful for in life. Wow, beautiful. That sounds yeah. amazing. <laughs> so, now you noted how common the condition is um and i can imagine that for people that haven't had the right support mm -hmm. this this can and even if you have the right support this this condition and or getting a diagnosis like this can impact the uh, mental health significantly uh so i wonder is there a lot of awareness about that aspect and support for people because even if for example in nigeria I'm sure that many people that have that same condition mm -hmm. and there's so much focus on having children that, yes. that being told that you don't even have a uterus can be such a, you know, devastating, right? So I wonder how much awareness is, and have you, have you met, have you, have, have you been contacted by people maybe from Nigeria or from Africa or, Absolutely. No. So the, yeah. in, in the support groups on Facebook, there's okay. people from all over the world. Okay. And beautiful. I just noticed how it can be even more challenging to some of us, some women who are living in Africa or India or Asian cultures, right. where there's even right. more strength and focus on having a baby mm -hmm. from, for a young age. Exactly. Uh, a lot of girls suffer a lot because some parents might say, well, you're of no use to the family because we can't marry you off because you can't have a baby. Yeah. And we can imagine that for a 16, 17-year-old girl at a time when she should be getting the help from her parents, who are yeah. the people who are supposed to love her the most, mm -hmm. is being shunned away. And unfortunately, that is very common. We yeah. do get a lot of requests, a lot of comments on Facebook from young girls who are going through it. Yeah. So I think there's, there's not enough awareness. There's not enough support out there. Um, Facebook is a good safety net for those women. Um, but it can be very difficult to be in a culture to feel that pressure, yeah. and the only place you can go for help is Facebook. I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in providing that emotional support, in yeah. telling them it will be okay. When exactly. I was diagnosed, I, I didn't get any emotional support from the hospital, from anywhere, but now that I'm living in the UK, the support network here is different. In the hospital, you have access to the doctor, the nurse, and the psychologist. Oh, and wonderful. you have access to them 
throughout your lifetime. So for example, they speak with you throughout diagnosis. If you need to have more psychology sessions, you can. And if let's say it gets a bit difficult for me now that I'm in my 30s and all my friends are getting pregnant and I can't, that can be a trigger. Or even later in life, all my friends can have their children in school or they can have grandchildren. I will never have that. So it's a condition that stays with us for life. There are different triggers that can happen throughout our lifetime. So this emotional support is so important to get. Uh, But I think different countries are at different stages of that support, but there's a huge work that we still need to do all over the world to provide this emotional support. Well said. Uh, And what's the name of the Facebook page group, just in case anyone's listening and... Let me find it. So there's, there are several. Um, okay. So if they search MRKH okay. on face on Facebook, okay. there is one called MRKH Experiences, Advice, and Support. Okay. And and there's one called MRKH Support and Awareness. Right. Okay, that's wonderful. I'll put that in the show notes as well, just in case anyone wants to. Uh, reach out and get assistance. Wonderful. And now you're a nurse um, consultant and you also assist other people uh, with fertility. Was this like, what made you want to do that? Yeah, so I, for a long time, I was in the denial phase when Mm -hmm. I graduated as a nurse. I didn't want to work in this area. It was too close to home. I didn't want to... Uh, be reminded of what my body couldn't do on a daily basis. So I just avoided it altogether. I even left some support groups. Um, I just wanted to (laughs) live life without the reminder. Um, But it was always in the back of my head because I I worked in operations, operating theaters. Okay. So we would have C-sections and deliver babies we would do hysterectomies where we remove the uterus. So all of those things yeah. are always in the Triggers. back of my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a solution for me sometime down the line? It was only three or four years ago when I was working as an anesthetic nurse in doing research, putting people to sleep, that I felt that I had everything that I thought would make me happy a good career, recognized, I was in London, making good money, but I wasn't fulfilled. Something was missing. So I started thinking, what can I do that allows me to give back to society, allows me to give back to others, and allows me to grow as a human being? So after thinking for a few days, a few weeks, I've realized that it had to do to be related with fertility because I had, by then I had coped rather well emotionally. I looked Mm -hmm. back and I thought, well, it just taken 15 years, but I'm okay. (laughs) And I thought for someone who is being diagnosed in their thirties, they don't have 15 years to try and understand how they feel and then maybe have treatment or not. They, They don't have 15 years. They need to make decisions because age matters 
Yeah. So I felt if I can sort of package these emotional tools in a way that I can give them to people and they can cope a bit quicker and feel empowered in their journeys, that's what I want to do. And right. at the same time, as I'm giving back, I am touching my own wounds on a daily basis yes. because I will feel the emotions that my patients are feeling. I will have triggers when they have a success and when they don't have a success. And for me, helping them have their babies, it's like my own babies. It makes me super, super happy to see people having babies and uh, to know that I've made a difference in, yeah. in their journey. I'm very passionate about making this support accessible worldwide. That's because usually emotional support is an add-on. It's something extra that patients need to buy. Yeah. And I don't agree with that. Emotional distress is the only certainty we have in this journey. We may get a baby or not, but the emotional distress, the anxiety, the depression will be there. So we should get access to emotional support. So I'm very passionate at providing something that can reach people in Europe, Asia, Africa, America, everywhere. Something that allows people to get the support they need at a minimal or zero cost yeah. Because this will help them get the babies they need, the, the babies they want in their life. Yeah. Wow, that's wonderful. It's amazing how you turn things around and now you're providing support to so many people. And you're so right. Emotional support is very essential. But like you said, by the time you spend so much money on fertility treatment, having an additional uh, cost for emotional support seems like maybe an extra you don't yeah. need, but in reality, it should be part of the whole treatment. It should be it included. Should be part of treatment. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think we need to change the way things are done. Uh, emotional treatment is, should be mandatory, should be part, exactly. should be included, should start even before you go through this invasive treatment at yes. this idea. Yeah. Because, you know, you think the worst thing is, is the needles, the injections. That's not, it's not the worst. It's what it does to you and just, you know, the constant monitoring everything daily and, you know, how it messes up your mind. So you're right. It should be done even before you start. It should be a preparation before you even start the whole process. Yes. I think it's about preventing the emotional distress. Exactly. Because if we, if we know that a lot of people feel sad, depressed, anxious, and if we tell the patients, this is a reality, this might happen to you, yeah. but here's a few things that can help. And it's like your little bag of support. And you know, when you face this situation, if you do A, B, or C, you might feel a bit better. Yeah. You still feel your emotions, you still acknowledge them, because it's normal to feel sad or frustrated if you want something really hard and it doesn't happen. It would be unrealistic to expect that we would be happy all the time. It just doesn't happen. So you just feel your emotions, but then you are able to grieve that loss and then to bounce back to yeah. what you want to do next. 
Yes. So feeling empowered is really important. Definitely. And I hope with your constant work uh, all around the world from the UK where you're at, uh, and of course your, your talks um, around different media outlets, that hopefully things can start to change around all around the world in different countries. So that's amazing. I hope, I hope we can do um, towards the end of the year, maybe we can do some work in, in Africa, in Nigeria. That's something that is very close to my heart. Both yeah. my parents were born in Africa. Oh, really? And, yeah. Where? And, uh, my dad was born in Angola. Oh, okay. And my mom was born uh, in um, Cape Verde. Ah, that's amazing, right? Like how random, right? <laughs> to have both of them. <laughs> because it was a very big Portuguese community. Oh, of course. There. Yes, yeah. yes. Because even in Angola, yeah. they speak Portuguese, yeah. Yeah. And it's very close to my heart. And I'm aware of different big movements that are happening um, in Africa. There's one called More Than a Mother. Oh, okay. I'll check by that out. Merck, by Merck. Okay. And it's absolutely amazing. It's to break the stigma of infertility. Exactly mm -hmm. what we were talking about because there's this pressure yeah. that women and a lot of women go through um, you know, domestic violence because yes. they can't get pregnant even if the, the cause is related to male factor. I know. Nobody thinks it's male factor. They just think, well, the woman should be the one getting pregnant, so it must be you. And that's not uh, you reality. Know, it's 50-50. It's yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe that's something that uh, we need to raise awareness about as well. The problem, you need a sperm and you need an egg, so it's both. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, and people are trying trying now, you see lots of doctors talking about it. There needs to be way more awareness because people just don't, they just don't understand that aspect. It's just like, well, you're the one that should get pregnant as a woman. So then you're the one that probably has the problem, right? So that's just yeah. what everyone thinks when in reality, mm -hmm. that's not the case. Yeah. So maybe we can do something extra to help people yes. towards the end of the year and um, I think that would be amazing. I that think would that's... be amazing. And I would like to find out other women that might also have the MRKH condition because I just, I can imagine, like infertility in general is very hard to deal with. But to now have the added, uh, you know, understanding that you, you don't have a uterus, I think there's mm -hmm. probably so many people isolated and just not mm -hmm. able to find any form of support. So... I would like to find out people and see how you can help them. <laughs> what kind of support can be given extra to them? Maybe Just... they'll listen to these episodes and yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? Maybe that. But for women that might not have, so okay, so I know noted that in your case, you said you didn't have a period, and that's why you kept on checking. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm assuming, or I'm not sure if this is the only condition that isn't that's tied to not having periods. I know some people have irregular periods, but I'm just mm -hmm. wondering, is it possible that someone could have lived with this and not known if they hadn't gone to the hospital to get anything checked? Yes, so it's um, that 
the symptom number one is no periods. Right. Um, a lot of women will try to have sex and will find it really hard or impossible to have sex because we don't have the top third of the vagina. Uh, okay. So it's like it, the penis hitting a brick wall. Um, um. But some women might have a longer vagina. So some women might be able to have sex and right. maybe they find a bit later. But the fact that you don't have periods, it's always a trigger that something isn't yeah. right. I think if you reach age 21 and you don't have periods, something is wrong. Uh, there are several conditions that may be the reason why people don't have periods. Mm -hmm. MRKH is a common one. There's also other conditions where you have male chromosomes, but right. your genitals are female. Okay. So you might have female external genitals, but inside you don't have ovaries or a uterus, so you don't have uh, the normal horm female hormones, but externally right. you still look female. like a woman. Right. So that can happen as well. Um, but, and then there's the, the regular periods. It's usually around hormonal problems, but women yeah. will have had a period before. Exactly, yeah. So it's important to look into that as well. But lack of periods, never having had a period, is always something to look into. Why is it happening? There needs to be a cause yeah. for why your uterus is not shedding. Right. Okay. Thank you so much for that. I just wondered if anyone was listening that wasn't sure if that's what they had to see. Yeah. Okay. And in terms of women that now know for sure they have a marriage cage and wondering what options are available to them, because I noted you said that the women will have ovaries and fallopian, like ovaries, I believe, I'm not sure about fallopian tubes. Um, mm -hmm. What options are available to them if they do want to have children? Okay, that's a great question. Uh, when I was diagnosed, they didn't tell me that there was a solution. And that right. was a big cause of emotional distress. Yeah. But when I came to the UK and I met the clinical team, that's mm. one of the things they talk about. These are your options. And it's very important to talk about options. Exactly. Number, the number one solution for women with MRKH is to do surrogacy. Okay. That means that you can get your ovaries stimulated, very similar to what we do with a normal IVF cycle. Right. And we can have your eggs collected. And then we put your eggs with your husband's sperm mm -hmm. and another woman will carry the baby for you. And then when the baby is born, the baby is yours. That means that the baby is genetically 100% yours and your husband's. So it's that's wonderful. A it's a process that is possible. It's not possible everywhere. So some countries still have some restrictions around surrogacy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's possible in America. Here in the UK, it's possible. India as well. Um, Greece, Ukraine. Russia, I think there's a few countries where it's allowed. It yeah, should be mm -hmm. more widely available, 100%. Yeah. It should be. Um, and then there's the option of adoption. 
which is always there, which I know a lot of women don't want to talk about. But as I found out uh, after doing this for a few years, some options that are not a good option right now, in the future, they may end up being a good option. I may not want to consider surrogacy right now, but after a few months or a few years, my mind is a bit more acceptant of the idea. Right. Um, so it would be either adoption or surrogacy. Um, there are some clinical trials where they've done uterus transplants. Oh, of course, yeah. Like we do, you know, transplant heart, lung, kidney. Mm -hmm. Now they've started doing a uterus transplant. It's a very complex procedure because the uterus is very irrigated with blood vessels and arteries. So there's a lot of blood. And when something goes wrong, you can die from blood loss. So it's a very meticulous procedure connecting all of those things inside you. Yeah. And for a long time, they weren't able to, to do that because then apart from connecting the uterus inside you, they need to connect the uterus to the vagina and create the cervix and all of that. It's highly complicated. It sounds like it, yeah. Not as easy as other organ transplants. Mm -hmm. um, but the good news is that several countries are doing these clinical trials and some women have had babies already as a result of that. Wow. So if for some women, they feel that they do want to experience the tummy growing and the pregnancy and the connection uh, throughout those nine months, that, is, that might be an option for them as well. That's amazing. Thanks so much for that. And surrogacy actually is done in Nigeria as well and is becoming quite... Uh, well, there's more awareness about it now. Uh, of course, people, many times people still don't talk about it. So even if they do mm -hmm. surrogacy, they might not announce that that's what they did. They might just yeah. keep it quiet because it's still, again, it's, it's part of those things that still need to be, uh, more awareness needs to be created about having no shame or is that absolutely nothing wrong with it if that's what you need to do. So. Absolutely. I think it's normalizing the conversation. Yeah. Families come in many shapes and forms, and there's not one way to create a family. If we talk with, for example, six or five friends, the stories are all different of how they've come or not come to have a baby. Yeah. Some might have PCOS, some might have endometriosis, some might not have had a relationship or found a man until later or there's everyone has a different journey and it's uh, that normal family it's a minority yeah what, that's in the movies that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> fairy tales <laughs> exactly that's that's just a minority most people don't have a standard normal journey it's a bit more challenging than that. Yeah, and we need to let people know that, and young girls and young boys as well. Because I remember as a teenager, all I knew was do not move close to any guy, you're gonna get pregnant, you know, after having your periods. And that's what I believed, you know, I just stayed away from everybody. <laughs> because in your mind, you knew you were gonna get pregnant. But in reality, 
that's not true, right? There should be those conversations like, well, yes, you might get pregnant easily, but you might not. And some people can't get pregnant. Like, you know, we need yeah, to let people be aware. That's a very good point because that is the reality in Europe as well. You are taught how to not get pregnant. Yeah. You are taught to use contraception and avoid sex. And mm -hmm. It, there's not the conversation of it might be difficult or there's even a few things that can harm your fertility yeah exactly yeah so you spend your 20s thinking that you are avoiding pregnancy just to reach your 30s that maybe <laughs> i'm infertile exactly so we need to change the conversation from that young age you're so right about yeah. Things might not be easy for you so and there's only six days a month when you can get pregnant i know right not like every <laughs> not just touching someone I else know. <laughs> when, I, when i think of what i thought when i was younger it's so silly i was so ignorant you know like i thought <laughs> the silliest of things could get you pregnant you know but, but... it's all of us even before I was diagnosed, it was my biggest fear was getting pregnant. Yeah. I didn't want, I had a boyfriend and I remember at the time he kept pushing for us to start relations. And I said, no, because something must be wrong with my body. I don't have a period. I don't want to do anything. And I yeah. don't want to get pregnant. I mean, that would just be a disaster right now. <laughs> I know. But you're right. I think everyone goes through that. Yeah. That's that's amazing. So we, we hope things will change in the future for, for the younger ones yeah. when we talk about it and let them know what the reality is. Um, yes. So with your company now, and I know you're not a consultant, but you also offer the Enhanced Fertility Program. What services for someone in Nigeria listening and wondering how you can help them? Yeah. What services do you yeah. provide? So the Enhanced Fertility Program is an online program where patients have access to five learning modules to learn more about their health, fertility, okay. fertility treatment, environmental factors, nutrition, and managing emotions. So you have access to all this information online that you can read and do the exercises at your own pace. Mm -hmm. We also have a support group online so you can join other people from all over the world and we choose a topic every week to to discuss these, these oh, aspects. Nice. Mm -hmm. And if people want to have one-to-one -one consultations, we do it over Zoom. So it's very easy to access from all over the world. Oh. But it's the right balance between having the right information, uh, having tools to help you move forward at your own pace, getting support from others who are going through it, and then if you still need support from the professional, it's there available when you need it. So it's making it available to everyone who, who wants to join us. We're very excited. We're launching the app in November. Oh, okay. So it will be even, even will easier. Be even yeah. Easier, <laughs> even easier to, to join and to, to use the content. So it's very, very exciting. That's exciting. We are we waiting to hear that so we can uh, spread more information about that and get people yes. using it. And is that for women and men, or just women? Yes. Okay, women we and men. And men. Oh, yes. that's wonderful. I would say that most users are women. 
we've yeah. done some research and we've realized that women want to talk about the problem. They want to learn as much as they can. They want to analyze it. And men have different ways of coping mm -hmm. with the problem. They are a bit more quieter yeah. and they don't want to analyze everything. They, but they are likely to engage and do the things that women tell them to do. So if women tell them, look, you, we need to go to this appointment or now we need to start eating this food and not that food. <laughs> so they are likely to do. So, and it's not that they care less. It's just that it's different ways of men and women responding to situations. So exactly. the majority of our users are women, but occasionally we do have the couple coming together to the sessions. And that's okay. also a trend that is changing. I think a few years ago, we, we would see only women, but now we see that men are entering the conversation as well, because it's really hard for them as well. Yes. Especially if it's related to male factor, it exactly. can be very difficult for them to cope with that loss of identity because men feel it's virility, it's very manly to be able yeah, to it spread is. your genes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very attached to to their strength. So if the if they know that the problem is in that area, then they might need a bit more extra support. And it's good that so many men are talking about these problems right now and they're letting other men know, look, it's okay, you're not alone. Yes. There's 40% of the problem is male. So you are definitely not alone. Definitely. And that's so important, knowing that you're not alone, isn't it? Just know there's someone else mm -hmm. or all the people out there dealing with something similar that helps yeah. to, um, to make you feel yeah. better. That's wonderful. So we look forward to having you launch the app in November. We'll be following up yeah, with that. Let, <laughs> you know. Wonderful. Uh, is there any quote or word of affirmation that you found very helpful uh, during this mm -hmm. whole journey and you felt yes. that other people might benefit yes. from? I'm going to tell you that the most powerful affirmation was something that came to me in one of those moments of despair when I was so young, mm -hmm. crying in my room. And I felt this strength inside me. It was so powerful. And I felt I am committed to coping and being okay, no matter what. Wow. So I've, I've made that decision in my life in that moment. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was committed to it. And when you make a commitment, there's no going back. True. Right? Yeah. So I may not have all the answers. I may not have Google Maps to take me where I want to mm -hmm. go. Yeah. But I'm going to trust that everything is going to be okay. I'm going to be happy no matter what. And if you, if you set that intention, that affirmation, it just, yeah. it stays with you in your subconscious and it guides you in your, the choices you, you make in your everyday. I believe that I was invincible 
in that decision I've made, there is nothing that I cannot cope with because this is definitely the most challenging thing I'm going to go through. There's nothing I'm not able to do and I'm going to be okay. So with that subconscious affirmation, that means that I always tried really hard at work because I felt invincible. I mean, I've mm -hmm. been through fertility, a job application, university, super easy. I'm invincible now because I have this strength inside me. Yeah. So I think that was the most powerful thing that happened to me. I don't know where it came from. It was something divine that I felt and it ended up affecting my work choices, my relationship choices, my business choices. It's always out of the belief that I will be okay. I'm being guided and I'm invincible because if I had to go down, infertility would have done that because there's nothing more difficult than infertility. I love it. Such, such powerful words of affirmation. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and like you're right, you know, that's back there, the back of your mind, it helps make everything else better, right? You're ready to face whatever comes. Mm. I love it. Thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that. Hopefully it will help uh, other people as yes, well as here empower them to get in tune with their bodies, their minds, and think what would be the commitment, the decision that I can make today that I want to live my life by, that can make a difference, that can help me get where I want to get. What is that commitment? Yeah. Beautiful. Well Maybe said. We'll get We'll get some <laughs> comments on your podcast. Yes, exactly. Yeah, maybe we'll start that conversation and get people to use this word of information and see how it changes mm -hmm. their lives. I think it's yeah. very powerful. Thank you. Uh, any words of encouragement for anyone who might be out there listening that's just been diagnosed with MRKH or infertility? Yeah. With MRKH, I would like to tell you that MRKH does not define you. You are so much more than your ability to carry children. Yes. Use it as an empowerment to choose who you want to be, what you want to achieve in life. Um, and there's so many people out there online available to support you. If you need a word of support, encouragement, if you need to speak with someone over the phone or over text, it's so easy these days with internet. So seek that support. Don't feel that you need to go through it alone. Um, and I would say for people in general who are going through infertility, yeah. um, Keep thinking that the odds are not against you. Over 90% of people get pregnant over two years and the remaining 10% are very likely to get pregnant with the right treatment. So keep thinking of all the reasons why it's going to work. Trust your body, trust your mindset, 
and seek help when you need to. Keep thinking of all the reasons why it's going to work. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Andrea. I love it. Such powerful words. Thank you. And for anyone listening, as, as you've heard, Andrea said so much there and given us so much advice, empowered us with so much wonderful words of affirmation to always believe and be happy and know that whatever uh, you're dealing with doesn't define you. You're much more than that and you're going to be happy regardless of whatever comes your way. If you would like to connect with Andrea, you can reach her on Instagram. She's very active. And on Tuesdays, you also have a session, the right? Support, the support the group. Support. Yeah. Yes, every Tuesday. So that's, you can definitely check that out. On Instagram, as I noted earlier, you can reach out Andrea Trigon and her website, andreatrigo.com. And as she noted, in November, her, her app is going to be launched so we can all access it here in Nigeria, wherever else you may be around the world. And uh, it will help us more, both men and women. So it's not limited to just women alone. So that's wonderful. So thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on the show today and to share your journey and to educate us all about this condition, MRKH, and infertility in general. I'm sure many listeners have found this session very informative and very enlightening and very positive. But just, just letting us know everything is okay. Everything's going to be okay. There are many options out there for you and not to feel like you're alone. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And we look forward to having you again back. Uh, hopefully when your uh, app is out in November or even before then, when you want to work in Africa, like you noted earlier, to help yeah, more people. Brilliant. Yes. Agreed. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.